You know, at the Last Supper, Jesus swore that one of them was about to betray him. And one by one, the disciples said, Surely not I, Lord. And the exuberant Peter went so far as to say that his faith could never be shaken in Jesus, even if he had to die for it. But Jesus told him, This very night before the cock crows, you will deny me three times. And that's exactly what happened. As Jesus told him in the garden, when they were nodding off to sleep, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. In the high priest's courtyard, they recognized his Galilean accent, leading Peter to deny Jesus three times. And the cock crowed, and Peter wept bitterly. So Peter was supposed to love the Lord enough to die for him, cowardly denied him, even knowing him. And that kind of pain and trauma doesn't leave a person quickly. It was on his mind and in his heart. He was a failure as a friend and as an apostle. Despite the joy of the resurrection appearances, Peter harbored this humiliation, just as sometimes it is with us. He couldn't forgive himself for being a spiritual Benedict Arnold, if you will. And in the appearance of the risen Lord that we reflect on on this third Sunday of Easter, that's what Jesus comes to address. Peter and the others needed to clear their minds, so they went fishing, but they caught nothing all night. And at dawn, a stranger appeared on the shore and told them to cast their net over the side of the boat, and they complied. St. John, known as the beloved disciple, recognizes the stranger when the Lord, as the Lord when they hauled in the huge sum of fish that had happened before. For Peter, Andrew, James, and John were all called by Jesus along the Sea of Galilee. And on this occasion, and the day they were called, they were out all night and caught nothing I've been there. Totally frustrating. On the day Jesus called them, they had come in and cleaned their nets and boats. They were ready to go home and take a nap. And Peter allowed Jesus to use his boat as a pulpit as the crowds were crushing upon him. And after that favor, Jesus told Peter to put out in the deep water and lower his nets for a catch. Oh, come on, he must have thought. Peter had to be exhausted, out all night working, and everything was clean and put away. And besides, they caught fish on the Sea of Galilee at night in shallow water. And yet this Nazarene carpenter comes along telling him to fish in the deep water in the broad daylight. It made no sense. But because of his docility, Peter said, at your word, I will lower the nets. And the nets were, were breaking under the weight of the catch. And Peter fell at Jesus' feet and said, Depart from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. And Jesus told him, Do not be afraid. From now on, you'll be fishing for men. And Jesus repeats this miracle after the resurrection. We just heard it. Reminding Peter, who was still a sinful man and very much felt the ongoing sting of that betrayal, that he still wanted Peter to be a fisher of men. The 153 fish coincided with the number of nations in the biblical times in the known world. So this mission would encompass every race and nation and would take all of the energy and the strength that the apostles and disciples had. 
Jesus also rehabilitated Peter through a one-on-one -on -one dialogue that we just heard after breakfast. You know, interestingly, he didn't call him Peter. After all, he had been anything but a rock in the preceding days. He went back to his birth name, Simon, son of John, and asked him whether he loved him. And he gives Peter three chances to affirm his love to make up for the three times he had denied him on Holy Thursday. There's something deeper going on, which we can only see in the original Greek. When Jesus asks him, do you love me more than these? The word he uses is for the word agape, a, t a total self-sacrificing godly love. The type of, of love that Peter thought that he had for Jesus. Peter, still wounded by the memory of his weakness, wasn't going to make that mistake again. So he responds, yes, Lord, you know that I love you, but he uses a different word for love typically associated with friendship. In other words, yes, Lord, you know that I love you as a friend. Second time is the same. But the third time, Jesus downgraded the question and says, Simon, do you love me as a friend? You know, that had to hurt. An acknowledgement of Peter's weakness in the preceding days, that he couldn't commit to loving him to the point of death. And Peter replied, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you, but only as a friend. But Jesus wasn't going to leave him nursing those wounds anymore. His purpose was to strengthen Simon Peter. So he gave a powerful prophecy about Peter's own crucifixion and death, that Peter's love would grow to be that sacrificial love of which he longed. He would lay down his life for Jesus one day and join him in his kingdom. And then Jesus concluded the dialogue by saying the words that he had said to him when he first called him to be a fisher of men. Follow me. Follow me. And Peter followed him all right, all the way to his own crucifixion, upside down, in Nero's circus on Vatican Hill on, on October 64 A.D. So Peter responded mightily to that rehabilitation. Today's first reading, we see how he is willing to suffer for Jesus by tending the sheep. It is the third time that Peter was arrested and interrogated by the Sanhedrin, the same leaders who had put Jesus to death. This is dangerous territory. They told Peter not to speak about Jesus. We gave you strict orders, they say. We do not, uh, did we not, to stop teaching about that name. The members of the Sanhedrin couldn't even mention Jesus' name, but the apostles couldn't stop proclaiming it. So trying to dissuade the apostles, they flogged and commanded them to shut up. But they wouldn't capitulate. A dramatic turnaround grounded in faith and repentance, not fear. For the Holy Spirit was at work. We can learn from this scene ourselves. We, just like Peter, betray Jesus by our sins. Like him, we probably never explicitly attended to deny him, but because our flesh is weak and that trumps our willing spirit, we have sinned against Jesus. No need to make any sort of lists right now. We all know, all we have to do is look at an examination of conscience, and we know, pretty soon after reading one, we know how and when we have sinned, causing us 
to bow our heads sometimes in shame. But here's the message of the third Sunday of Easter. Jesus, my brothers and sisters, does not give up on us. That's the point of this scene. Let me say it again. Jesus does not give up on us. Just like he rehabilitated Peter in his vocation and mission, Jesus rehabilitates us. He wants to engage in a one-on-one conversation, which he does in the silence of our own hearts, and most especially one-on-one in the sacrament of reconciliation. So put your name in the place of St. Peter's. You know, Richard, do you love me more than these, more than anyone else? Do you love me with that total self-sacrificial type of love with which I love you? He reminds us that through our baptism, he gives us the same gift of courage that he gave St. Peter so that we might not be intimidated when others seek to shame, persecute, imprison, flog, or even kill us. We must love Jesus as a friend, but he wants us to love him with a self-sacrificing love that he modeled for us and gives us again and again when we share in his body and blood in Holy Communion. He wants us to become saints, my brothers and sisters, just like St. Peter and the rest. So on this third Sunday of Easter, let us take that invitation seriously.